<laughs> yeah. I wonder I wonder what changed for him. <laughs> yeah, right. NIL. Maybe the edit was yeah. so bad that he, he just had to he had to pop back in the portal. That's what it was. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday. No, it's not. It's Tuesday, April the 19th. Um, so last week we did an episode of Things in the Future, and the future came quickly uh, on a couple of them. And uh, we're, we can't really talk about the things that happened without talking about that other thing that happened, which was uh, at least two of us already crashing and burning on some of our picks. So it's a, it's a, it's a you know, airing of the grievances kind of uh, edition of the show. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a moment. Let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? I am honored to be a, amongst such great prognosticators, as always. Appreciate I'm getting like tagged and getting grief for y'all's hot takes. Been a great week. <laughs> who days on the board at who days on Twitter for the record they were not hot takes they were just takes and then they immediately turned <laughs> they became hot they they, they, was, they were they were scorching very quickly um up in Loudon staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program how's it going my dude I choose to live in an alternate reality where the London Johnson era is about to get underway and Kihei Clark's the lottery pick but that's just me at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter <laughs> and in Charlottesville uh manager editor Damon Dillman's also on the program Damon, how are you going, man? Ah, uh, so far so good. None of my uh, prognostications have crashed and burned as of yet, so I'm hanging tight. Although Jake Geloff still has not homered, uh, but at Damon Doman on Twitter, that's true. Uh, we're gonna we'll, we're, we're gonna have to go through a couple of these because some of them are on the fence right now. And I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional Woody banter. All right, so. We talked on the show about how soon, you know, that, you know, the whole London Johnson committing thing that Ferber was trying to do. Nobody tried to talk to me about Kihei Clark. We talked about Kihei and whether or not he had played his last game, but nobody tried to talk me off the ledge about, you know, the whole thing. And I just want to say that uh, I, I want to charge all of you with a dereliction of duty. Well, technically, I haven't, I haven't. 100% lost my guess. Yet. That's technically true. Yes, this is true. Oh, and also I guess technically I guess you my too. pick was my pick was that he wouldn't <laughs> play another game in Virginia uniform. So just, you know, just because he says he's coming back doesn't mean that like, you know, he doesn't get an offer from yeah. somebody, you know, whatever. If he gets if he gets added to the cast of Love's Blind season 3 or something, maybe he <laughs> gives it up. That would I would actually be hilarious. All right. So this was uh let's see, my second round pick, Ferber's first round pick already in the in the dumpster um Ferber I just want to when that thing as that thing unfolded I, I gotta be honest as the as the day worked on when it felt like Kihei was going to be coming back and that was the announcement was imminent and stuff I, I I don't know if you felt this way but it was like this um th there was this like feeling of like um 
the only thing I can compare it to is like watching UVA lose the lead against Syracuse, right? It's like, wait a minute. No, no, wait. No, really? Wait, really? Wait, really? You know, like there were, there were like, there were like varying degrees of like coming to terms with like how ridiculous I was going to feel in a few hours. And then of course it, it actually came to pass. How, how did it feel for you as that thing was unfolding? You know, um, as the day wore on on Thursday, I mean, originally I was going to predict that he committed that specific day. Um, and you guys talked me out of it. I also, the first thing I said when I chose that was, I don't know if you guys are even going to allow this because it might be too soon in the future and too much of like a done deal. You know, it's like not even really a prediction anymore. Um, but you know, as the results show, it was a stupid pick. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, last Thursday it, it became well I mean honestly if I was reading the the tea leaves going into that I should have probably been a little bit more on edge because there was no like hey tune into my announcement tomorrow kind of stuff going on like you didn't hear anything about it um and yeah it just continued to you know like hours tick by nothing nothing and then eventually it's like well let's check in on UVA and see what's going on um and uh yeah I mean here's where we are Honestly, um, the recruitment itself of London Johnson is not different, not totally different from other ones that UVA has lost. Um, I think people remember the ones they lose, but they've also been some of that they've won where it's like, all right, this is in the bag. And then it drags out a little bit and they end up getting the guy. Um, but, you know, that's not what happened here, obviously. So um, lesson learned, uh, especially in like this NIL era not saying that's what happened necessarily but um you know you got to kind of like it's not over until the guy is like at least verbally committed yeah the whole thing um i mean <laughs> yeah um look i i i, I don't want to say too much on this because i think i've i've said what i needed to say and folks who, who who can read that should read that on the message board i think that's um that's about that's about the links i'll go Suffice to say, though, for this for this uh, for this piece of content, um, there are lots of things that happen in the course of recruitments. And sometimes you you get to a place where um, player coaching staff, both at the same times at times, um, realize, you know what, this maybe this is not the right fit. Maybe this isn't going to work. And I think that's where this thing arrived. And certainly that's the way I heard it. And I believe fervently that's the way this went down. Uh, it's unfortunate because it certainly seems like there was a lot of fit there, at least for a while. Uh, and I know this is really frustrating for fans because when when something like this happens and you don't really you don't really know um, you don't really know what's sort of like um, what's fact and fiction in a lot of these situations, right? Because even the things that you hear rumblings about, like it's really hard to know the 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 specifics and for a lot of fans you go from the excitement of getting a really highly rated player and you know having a silent commit for months and all this fun stuff and then all of a sudden you know it's christmas morning there's nothing under the tree and that's really tough especially for folks who pay attention to recruiting um dave give me some reaction to the news first of all anytime you do a draft and then within a week you can do your own draft grades and they're not good that's not a good draft um but like london johnson i mean i think it goes just recruiting, you know, I know, you know, it was a top 30 recruit at one point. Um, we've talked about it before. Like recruiting those guys is different. They're, they're out. You know, there are other people interested in where they commit than, you know, a three-star guy. Right. Um, 
And Virginia under Tony, you know, hasn't had success with that player at you know getting those players. And and many times in you know, in hindsight, when you look at what happened with that player, where he went up ended up going, it was a good thing Virginia didn't you know, uh land the commitment during you know, during during the whole process. But look, it's it's frustrating because this felt like maybe this one was a different one, right? Plus a, a position of need with Kihei probably you know leaving and London looking to come in and kind of like no offense to Kihei, like he's not known for his offensive prowess. Um you know, not that he's a bad offensive player, but he's not that's not what he's known for. Um so London was kind of the opposite. And it you know, I was exciting to think about how he would pair up with all the really good players who Virginia did get to commit who were coming in 2022, who for some reason seemed to get forgotten all the time and all the complaining about Virginia recruiting. So um I mean, I, I'm a little surprised just because it seemed like this might be the one that went that way. But I mean, history should say, don't be a fool, Charlie Brown. Like it's going to get pulled again. Um, and I think later on, like, you know, who knows, maybe he circles back around at some point and does commit to Virginia, but it sounds like that door is closed and Virginia moving forward. Um, it wasn't a terrible pick by Justin. I mean, skip, you know, the Washington football team, forgive me, has made worse picks. I mean, I said that last week. I was like, you don't know what's going to happen. Dan Snyder could come in here at any moment and ruin my pick. And I'm just going to say that's what happened. He could have. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's he's uh, issuing a strongly worded letter that none of that happens. So. John Gruden's going to get fired, though. Right. Catching <laughs> strays. <laughs> da- Damon, as this thing unfolded, uh, this was, I believe, probably your first real experience with a, you know, a, a, a you know, a pretty apparent silent commitment that sort of went awry. Um, and a very public one at that. I mean, when, when the Wiggins kid was committed, you know, for so long behind the scenes, that one never really got out in public, right? It just was sort of after the fact people, you know, you talk to, you talk, they talked about it. This one was, was fairly obvious. I think to anybody who sort of watched it, um, how was it from your point of view? I mean, I, I know that he, he had been, uh, a silent commit or allegedly a silent commit for a while, but I, I never felt like it was as done of a deal as a lot of people. I just, I don't know. And this is just, and I think I've told you guys this before. I've just, it's always the vibe that I've gotten, uh, was that like in, in the few conversations that I've had with London, some of the exchanges we've had, um, I don't know. It just it just never felt like it was as concrete as I think a lot of people uh, as a lot of people kind of assumed. And I I can't really explain why that is. It's just a again, I I keep going back to the vibe I always got. And I always kind of chalk that up to, well, I'm you know, I like you were saying, this was my first experience going through these things. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just being naive or maybe there's something I'm not understanding, but I just, I I remember one conversation with him and uh, it was right after the Iowa game. Uh, It was right after UVA lost to Iowa and I talked to him and I got a sense that he was really high on UVA at that point. Um, And then remember as it went on, it was like, okay, he's going to come in on this date and then it would get pushed back and it would, it, 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 he's going to commit on this date and then it will get pushed back. Uh, and that just, and then, and then it kind of went quiet for a long time, but everybody seemed pretty, pretty relaxed with the whole situation, even though, 
it uh it had gone on pretty much radio silence there for a while so but just i don't know like i said it, it, it's hard for me to explain the specifics of why i felt this way uh but i just i mean i i still i still went into last week ex- just like justin did just like we all did expecting uh expecting it to be uva but there there was always something a little unsettled about the whole thing to me and so the way it kind of unfolded it was surprising but not completely surprising if that makes sense yeah it does um i, I, I think like, what made this one different is there's no other school lingering that's like it's thing. like with keels yeah, or that's... whatever it's like okay duke is out there like that's a problem you know yeah yeah, um, the G I think League is out there lingering. Yeah, I think the, the, I was getting ready to say that the thing that's so weird about this one is that there was no school making a push, right? Even after he delayed the announcement, there was no visit set up. There was no, oh, you know, coach so-and-so called him, you know, whatever. He spent two hours on the phone. With, you know, there was none of that out there. There was not, There was like nothing, right? And that's why, you know, going into it, I I you know, I wasn't very worried um, up until that last, you know, 24 hours or so when it became very apparent. Well, less than that, you know, that last day. Um, I, I think in the big scheme of things, Ferber's pick was not, you know, a bad one. I, I actually think he was, you know, it was one of those like easy money sort of picks, right? Where, you know, this is a this is a solid matchup. You know, Vegas sees it as they see it. And so, you know, hey, look, let's let's ride with this team. I feel like, though, the the unknown here is, and this is somewhat true in a lot of different recruitments, right? Like, we never really know who folks are, who the people are that are advising some of these kids sometimes. Um, and I'm not I'm not here to bag on, on anybody. I'm, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just being real. Like, I, I have enough experience in recruiting where there definitely have been times where kids do stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense or something goes the way it goes and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And that that certainly is the situation here. You know, nothing has changed about UVA since, you know, the early days when he became so interested in them and all that stuff, right? Like, if anything, if nothing else, like, the, the need is, is even cl- more clearly there. Um, so whatever changed in, in the course of this whole thing was not, like, related to that. And it makes a lot more sense when, you know, a school that you, you know, a, a school that has, you know, been a kid's dream school, for example, that they didn't get an offer from. Well, all of a sudden that school comes calling and you're like, oh, and then the kid takes a visit and you're like, well, you know, wait and see. There, there, a lot of these things tend to have a, um, a sort of vibe to them. And this one just didn't. And then it just ended. Um, but yet without an ending. Right. The kid's still right now uncommitted. Ha- I don't believe he's said anything on the record since no. then about what happened to his, his announcement and everything um, other than, you know, obviously it's not going to be UVA and, and that's, you know, the, the, the fact of the, you know, the long and short of it, it, it will be really interesting to see. Um, you know, I know that there are folks out there who pretty um, confident he won't play college ball. Um, so we'll wait and see. I, I mean, best of luck to the kid. I mean, I, in some ways this, this definitely feels like one of those situations like the, like I've seen in the past where, um, you're not really sure what's going on, but you kind of feel bad for the kid because it feels like folks around him or whatever are sort of um, are sort of driving the, the, the wheel, you know, they're behind the wheel more more than they probably should be. Um, but we'll wait and see, you know, we'll wait and see what happens with it. Um, stranger things, ha- strange things happen recruit, right? Like recruiting is is by nature. Um, you know, we try to make it a science, but it's not. Um, who's to say that, you know, in a week. You know, there can be some men offenses. I don't expect it, and I don't think you should either. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't have told you a month ago that this kid wasn't going to be committed. Um, 
but that's just, you know, I, I wouldn't have guessed Ferber would have picked it and had it go wrong. And speaking of picks that go wrong, let's transfer over to my second round pick, which was Kihei Clark will not play another game in a Virginia uniform. Now, I'll be honest. Uh, that was not, for me, was not like a, a, you know, like I'm not, wasn't wish casting there, right? Like um, we talked about, you know, Kihei being there and what it means, what it doesn't mean and that kind of thing for other guys on the roster and stuff. Um, Damon, when, when this one came out that, la- you know, it, it sort of, got, that was the vibe all day, right? That, you know, in talking to different people like this is the way this thing seems to be trending. Did it surprise you at all that, that, uh, that Kihei was going to come back? I think we all kind of, I don't know. I think there was a point late in the season or for much of the season where, where, where the sense was that he was done, that he wasn't going to come back. Uh, obviously he went through the senior day stuff, which I think a lot of people read as, yeah, he's not coming back. He's, he's, uh, he's going to move on after this year. But then I, I can't remember if it was still late in the season or immediately after the season when things seemed to turn and there seemed to be more of a, he may have changed his mind or he may have still, he may still be more up in the air than we originally, uh, believed. So again, uh, by, by the time it finally came down last night, no, I don't think I was surprised. I think the vibe was like you said, especially throughout the course of the day yesterday, that, that the announcement was coming and that it was that he's staying. Um, so again, like last week at the, I guess not this time last week, but roughly last week when, when we, when we made our futures predictions, I think there was enough uncertainty there that, uh, that it kind of made that, that it, 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 uh, it still made sense. It was, there was still that uncertainty there, but yeah, things just kind of snowballed, especially lately. And so, no, I don't think I, I, it didn't catch me by surprise. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, the repercussions of, what it means moving forward in terms of like playing time and transfer portal and some of those other, how much he's going to play, other guys are going to play, which I'm sure there's ample time to get into. It's, it's, it's a fascinating decision, but, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it didn't catch me as by surprise as it would have say late February, early March. Um, so the longer it kind of lingered, you, you figured, I don't know, maybe something was coming. Dave, I, I, we've, I mean, there's a lot out there. Um, anybody who wants to see hot, speaking of hot takes, um, people who want to see hot takes, just go to Twitter and search his name. I mean, I don't know why the kid is such a lightning rod. I get why he's the source of such discussion. Yeah. He's been there forever, right? Like, it's impossible. I think, I think we kind of need to just have a conversation about that. Like, why is he Wait, so All right, well, let's let's do that in a second. But, um, but I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, we, we talked about it. We've talked about it before. We're, we're, obviously now we're going to talk about it again at times. So in, in, in general though, it feels like to me that people are, there's a, there is a little bit of fatigue in this, right? Where I think if you, if you had a kid who stayed around this long, there's always going to be a part of you that, you know, that, that can't help but think about like, well, what's life after so-and-so going to be like, right? And that's no shade at Kihei, and we we tried we have tried very hard on the show to be fair to him and and to have these conversations without you know without ever you know coming across like it's you know we're not hating on the guy, um. 
do you, how do you feel now that you know he's coming back? Were you were you excited by the news? How, you know, when were you more excited that I was wrong? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what 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 were your thoughts? I don't know. That's pretty close, man. He, I was excited <laughs> about both. Um, no, like I mean, look, I believe I said it on the podcast last week. Like I'm perfectly fine with Kihei coming back. I yeah, don't you understand were. the people who who didn't want him back. Um, yeah, I really like. I think Justin Bray, we do need to have that discussion. I've got some theories on it, but look, who are you going to add? Like London Johnson, clearly not committing now, which 100% means he's not 2022, which as as of the time of the recording last week was still like we didn't, no one had said no, that's not happening. That was still something that could have happened, right? Um, low likelihood, but not impossible. Um, so, I mean, what are your options? You can't just have Reese Beekman and McNeely. Um, as your, you know, McNeely is not a true point. Um, that can't be your two only two options at point guard next year. So you're going to have to go find a transfer. And if, you know, you, there's not a lot of them out there and there's certainly not a lot of them out there. that are going to help you next year to the point where a now fifth year Kihei Clark with all his experience in this system will be able to help you. Um, but, I mean, if you guys have a problem with Kihei, good on you. Um, to me, it just shows blatant ignorance of basketball. Look, Kihei has has made some mistakes. Like there's some plays we'd wish he had back. But in his defense, the last he's essentially played with a new roster for four straight years. Um, you know, he was a part of a great team in nineteen. The twenty team he had some guys come back and before COVID, they had kind of put it together and making a little run. Twenty one was essentially a whole new roster with guys doing things they had never done, you know. Um, this year, same thing, lots of, lots of guys doing things and the only, you know, other than Beekman. Um, so Kihei's had a lot on his plate the last few years and I think people judge him by it and it's not fair to him. It, of course, he's going to make some mistakes when he's got, he's the only one who understands the system to the level he does. And he is the point guard. He's going to have the ball in his hands. Um, some of those bad passes, you know, are head scratchers, but when you touch the ball for as many minutes a game as he does, he still has a very good assist to turnover ratio. Um, I just think in Virginia, like we, we, when you're playing tight games because your team hasn't been quite what it has been, um, you know, position, you know, possession here and there kind of sticks in your cross. So every Virginia fan should be delighted. He's coming back. If you're tired of seeing him because you just want something new, sure, whatever, but don't act like Virginia had some better option like no first year is going to come in and run the point like Kihei could. Now, if you argue like that means it's taking time away from Beekman. Tony has played two point guards when he had Todd Jerome, <laughs> you know, so like that's just how he likes it. And that's kind of how the game is played now. So I don't know. I don't understand the, the fuss about it. Um, as far as the quality of your pick, look, I get why you made the pick. Um, that was definitely what kind of, <laughs> you know, what the tea leaves seem to be suggesting. And look, I, you know, look honestly, I'm just going to put this out of, there. I, I was under the understanding that a conversation had been had. So this yeah, you were operating on information. That yeah, exactly. Changed. So this was not yeah. a situation to, and I, and I firmly believe this, this was not a situation where I was like pulling something out of the ether, you know, uh, whatever, however it went down, something changed, right? A, a, a course was, was, was corrected here. Now, oh for sure. I'm not sure how much that that will be a topic of conversation or what, but I but I there's no doubt in my mind. So I I don't think the pick was bad. I do wonder if I should have been so absolute about it. Um, 
you know, we're just doing it for the ratings. We that's very yeah, much, that's uh, you know, doing the listens. it. Yeah, Skip Bayless. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but I'm excited to have him back. And you know, the Tommy, we, I think honestly, I think if he knew he was coming back, he would have made the announcement a while ago. He made it last night, and they're practicing today. It's like so they didn't have a whole lot of time, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it's good for Virginia. And you know, like if you don't, if you don't feel that way, I mean, good lord, don't be celebrating next year if he does something positive. Because the Twitter takes are just outrageous. Um, Twitter doesn't need an edit button. It needs a freaking, you know, <laughs> well, it does have a block button. I need to use it more often. Um, Ferber, let, before we get into the whole, like, why is the kid uh, a lightning rod? Um, I, I just want to talk about it from the standpoint of this. So Dave is saying that, like, Twitter Twitter doesn't need an edit button. I, I feel like for this, this is, like, this is the mainline, like, full-on, pure drugs for uva fans because the p it's like the people who who have a strong opinion can't fathom how they're wrong right and it is a classic example of like um nobody is really listening i feel like we have had nuanced discussions about this and i do see people on twitter who you know you on uva twitter who have nuanced discussions about it but it certainly feels like to me that if you look at it from just a basketball standpoint, is it good for this team? And it, there, it's it's a definite net positive. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Are there potential downsides? Of course there are. And if you want to talk about the thing and not look at, not at least acknowledge those two facts, I don't know. I don't know how to have a conversation with you. Um, were you? What's what's your what's your takeaway on on him deciding to to not go away? Yeah, I mean. I addressed this pretty bluntly last week. And if you want to draw my audio up in, uh, this is, uh, you don't do that, do you? We no, don't, I don't do don't a lot of that. So let's not, yeah, put we don't, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so what I said last week, and I'll just repeat it was Kihei has earned the right to decide if he wants to be here or not. I don't see any reason for UVA to turn him away. If he wants to come back. Having said that, I questioned the, long-term uh what's the word i'm looking for whether it's good for uva in the long term if he comes back and what that means for this season in general so uh, i i've been i've had 24 hours to process this and this is not a reflection of kihei or anybody else as a person or as a player really i question whether these two guards fit together in a way that lets you compete for like That's real fair. stuff. That's fair. Give it to me. Give, what, what, what's your, what's your thesis here? So Reese is not a scoring guard or it hasn't been yet. Right. He's a point guard. Um, he often plays out of position, which is I think to the detriment of the team. So I think he should be, I think we're, I think UVA is better served if he's on the ball more. Him and Kihei sort of rotate those responsibilities. Kihei playing off the ball is is interesting. He certainly he's not like a guy that can't shoot. I don't under, really understand where that came from. Um, he's not as like he's not like a Kyle guy, Ty Jerome shooter. I looked at his numbers. He shot like 30, 34 point something percent from three this year. Um, we can get into in a little bit like why people have such a hard time with him or like why he gets so much crap. Um, I don't I don't focus too much on the assist to turnover stuff because I, like Dave said his his ratio is fine and I think Dave's point about like who is going to play in his place is a valid point especially on the ball um, I will say Armand played some point guard at, at Indiana 
Um, not to say that they would just put him at point guard here. Um, I also think like, and there's no way for us to know this now, but like, I would like to know what their other options were if they had gone into the portal, if he had left. So like Sean McNeil, for example, has played on the ball at West Virginia scores about 12 points a game. He's a, maybe a little bit better of a shooter than Kihei, probably a better scorer overall. Um, I think he would have been a good fit. I definitely wouldn't have like McNeely playing point guard. I don't think that really works. So I think the depth isn't like that. That's a concern if you don't have like a good replacement lined up. I just think like, and this is how basketball has been played for a long time. You have to get a lot of your scoring from the backcourt and UVA had does get a decent amount of their scoring from the backcourt, but they get a lot of that. They, they get a decent amount of scoring from the backcourt on an NIT team, if that makes sense. Like, I think that Kihei can shoot, but the like the way that he is defended is unquestionably different than other people that can shoot. Defenses sag off. If you go look at the two Duke games, Duke came in with a really dumb game plan the first game and like let UVA carve them up by being spread out. Then in the second game, they packed it in. Kihei buried them in threes in the first half, and then they extended the defense out with just Roach and packed it in on everybody else, and UVA couldn't score. Nobody else could score. So I, I think you're going to see more of that. And I and and then also with Kihei, I think like he is unquestionably going to cut into the minutes of other guys. Like there's no way around it. Like if he plays 35 minutes a game, which is less than he played this year, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the people that think he's going to play 20 minutes a game or something are in a fantasy land because that's just not how Tony Bennett operates. And I, I don't think that that would be good for them either. Um, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and be like, they have to play the young guys for the sake of playing them. Um, but I do think Kihei coming back does probably keep them on the bench a bit more. And the, the concept of we're going to surround him with shooters and, and then he'll be better. Like that's when he's best suited, like the team from two years ago and the championship team, what shooters, like who, who is going to shoot? Um, McNeely is probably going to play. Like if he has a good freshman, like season, he probably plays like, I don't know, 16, 18 minutes a game. Um, unless Franklin like doesn't play as much, which could happen, I suppose. Um, Cause you're going to have Beekman playing 35 minutes a game too. So that leaves you 10 minutes at the two guard spots. Um, and then the rest of it's at the wing. So I just have concerns over the overall makeup of the team, where they're going to get their points from. Um, because we saw this offense really struggle a lot to find ways to manufacture points because they couldn't shoot from the outside. And when you can't shoot from the outside, everything else gets clogged up. So um, bringing back these two guys, I, I, I think it, I don't want to, it doesn't lower the ceiling for the team, but I, if you're asking me what they're going to be next year, I would say they're not going to be anywhere near a, a team that's going to be competing for like a title. Um, and that's fine. But I think you're also maybe hurting your team next year because you're not getting guys on the floor as much. I mean, it is a little bit of a give and take, right? Because on the one hand, if, if let's say, let's say Kihei had decided, you know what, I, I, I want to play overseas and and maybe maybe sort of the current you know geopolitical situation had an impact on things we don't know but i want to go play and i want to get paid to do it and i don't want to do college anymore okay that team as it as constructed there's some interest there's some intrigue there because you don't know as much but i don't think anybody looked at that squad without kihei and thought this team is a surefire whatever. So his No, yeah, it's not like him, him coming back takes him from a 3 seed to an 8 seed or something exactly, like that. Exactly. His his decision to come back makes them better in the short term. Um I'm like you, I look at the bigger picture and I think 
there are definitely plenty of positives, and I think it is a net positive. Um, but I also look at it and think, what would it have looked like? And I do think that there is a – I don't think that we can just sort of gloss over this fatigue factor with, with Kihei. And let's have that lightning rod discussion because I think that's ultimately what it is, right? He's a kid who – who has you know if you if you're honest about his game he's an incredibly crafty player you want him on your squad he's the kind he like that that kind of dude right um do you want him to be like the 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 leader the guy who takes the last second shot sometimes i mean he's 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 hit some big shots in his time he certainly has made huge plays um but he does you're not you're not designing plays to go to. right exactly he doesn't have the the sheer athleticism or the size right to to be a guy that you can really draw stuff up for um and that you can really like rely on even in his best stretch of games he he's a he's at times a very streaky shooter or he's a very streaky scorer right there are games where he's sort of completely like like invisible offensively and in order to be a guy who is going to be at some place that long like, there's a reason a lot of times guys who are like, as a junior in, in college, who 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 like are in the Heisman race and they come back, people pick them apart because they've just been there too long. People see you too much. It's there's like so the NFL draft. You just start talking about what yeah, everybody exactly. can't do. You're like, oh, what's up with his hand size? Oh, he doesn't do this. Oh, he doesn't do that. Like, there's a lot to that that is way more about just the way humans work. And when it comes to human UVA fans, Kihei Clark is... It's like, it's like if if offering James Robinson, like, was was like a was a star. This thing's like a supernova, right? Like it just burns white hot. And it's like I said earlier, it's like the people on both sides, the, the folks who are really you know staunchly whatever, they cannot fathom why they might be wrong. When the when the when the reality is, it's sort of in the middle, right? Like if he was a different type of player, he would not be the lightning rod he is. If he had not played as much as he's played. Damon made a point earlier today that like the kid's gonna crush the all-time minutes record. He's like 180 or something off of it. Um, you know, like I, I think if you look at this team and you and to Ferber's point about Beekman and, and and Clark together, how long have we had that conversation? And and I think it's okay for fans, honestly, to say like, hey, Beekman is a really rare talent, and now you've saddled him with this other guard who doesn't really fit him as well as potentially other types of guards, right? You, you've saddled him uh, with him for another year. And that's, you know, that's, that might be detrimental to his development. Now, Dave made a point earlier and said, well, you know, Tony's always kind of played more than one point guard. He did the same thing with Ty Jerome. Ty and, and, and Kihei were very different players, even though you, you might argue like, Oh, you know, from an athleticism standpoint and such and such, like they were neither one of them were really going to take guys off the bounce and dunk on anybody. Right. Like they were not like dudes with lots of bunnies who were going to take guys to the rack. Right. They were crafty players who were really smart and really hard workers who will hone their craft and, um, and really beat you up that way. But Ty could shoot and he could shoot. And, he, can, and he could get his shot from, and he could get his shot. Court. And he was very good at being able to do that. Reese is going to get into that place now where I think he's really getting a feel for, utilizing his his uh his ability to get a shot but here's the thing here's the place i'm going with this kia is such a lightning rod but if if beekman takes the step that everybody including myself expects him to take this won't be a problem right because offensively his confidence was continuing to 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 increase as the season wore on i thought uva actually found a nice little rhythm with the two of them the problems offensively for uva did not come down to really kihei or beekman it was it was elsewhere 
And that's probably a conversation that needs to happen, whereas, like, Kihei catches all these strays, right? When in reality, you know, there's other dudes who need to be getting some of that attention as to why things are a little bit, um, you know, rough yeah. at times. I definitely agree with that, 100%. Uh, Dave, why do you think Kihei is such a, a lightning rod? I mean, I think we've hit it. Like, you know, he's just been here so long. Um, yeah, yeah. not to rehash what I've already said, but, like, I mean, when you're a tra- part of a championship team, um, and look, he was an important part of that team. Like, he wasn't, you know, the most important part. Um, and not, I'm not just talking about the pass against Purdue, but, you know, he, he was like brought in. like 27 minutes a game or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he was brought in as a, as, as a direct result of what we saw – you know, UMBC take advantage of, you know, Virginia could do a lot, but they couldn't handle little guards. Um, and not, not just UMBC, but, um, you know, he came in and kind of fixed that and look, he was a, he was a big role. And then, you know, that 2020 team, like I was saying, like it changed, you're going to have the hangover and Kihei had a pretty good year. Like he helped that team down the stretch, kind of find his niche. And then again, you know, in the following year, you got Hauser playing for the first time, Huff playing in a bigger role. Um, and that was kind of a broken UVA team, you know, not to mention COVID. And I just think, you know, I, I don't know why Kihei takes all the shots. Like, look, Sam Hauser was a great player, but he wasn't a perfect fit for the UVA system. You know, he wasn't a great defender in, from the wing. Um, and, and this year's class, this year's team, like, I just feel bad for Kihei that, like, the season ended on that shot, right? Because, um, I mean, granted, it was the NIT. They didn't make the tournament. Um but look, there Kihei took a lot of shots this year, but there were also a lot of guys on the on the roster this year who weren't. Um, you mentioned the Beekman thing. Just I want to make a little comment on that. If if Beekman's goal is to develop, you know, to become a better player, I don't think Kihei being on the floor affects that. Because for him to develop and be an NBA player, he's got to be able to shoot the ball. So if anything, Kihei being on the floor might help it. Um, because you know, if they're gonna be a good duo, then Beekman's gonna have to shoot shoot better to help Kihei and um because look, the NBA is not taking point guards that can't make three pointers. So that's got to become a better part of Beekman's game. If that emerges next year, then we're not having this conversation. Um, anyway, but back to Kihei, I, I don't know. I mean, if, was, if Kihei was 6'2, we'll be having this discussion. Um, I mean, it's hard to believe a, a player who played a big part in your team winning a national championship is hated on to a level that I don't understand. He does touch the ball, I, I guess. He's like the anti J Huff. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's yeah, that's a really it, like, good point. I mean, look, I watch basketball with other people. Like, you know, there was this. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go like on a five minute rant here, but um, there was a season when I first moved up here to the valley, where uh, we had Direct TV, and Direct TV wasn't carrying Raycom, so I always had to go to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch UVA play on a Raycom game. And I'd be sitting at the bar, sitting at a table, and listening to other people watch UVA basketball, and it drove me insane. And this was early in the Bennett era, era like year two. Um, so, look, in general, a lot of people who think they're basketball fans don't understand basketball. Um, so, Hayden on Kihei, it's easy because he's the guy who touches the ball. It's like, you know, thinking you're a quarterback expert because a quarterback touches the ball. But, um, look, he, he touches the ball the most. You're going to see what he does more than – a blocker in the blocker mover set or a guy on the opposite side of the screen. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Like a lot of people just watch where the ball is. Like I spend very little time of a basketball game watching where the ball is. Um, you know, if you watch where the ball is, you'll, you'll point out his mistakes, but you know, those same people, 
no offense, I don't want Jay Huff to catch a stray, but Jay Huff had plenty of faults and he was beloved, right? And he made plenty of errors. And it just because it, you know, you know, setting a bad screen or not being where he's supposed to be on a roll um, is just as detrimental at, in, in our set as, um, you know, as a turnover. And like I said, in general, when you play 35 plus minutes a game and blah, 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 you're going to have the ball a lot. And when you don't have a lot of possession, you know, one or two can stick in your cross. So, I mean, just the entitlement Virginia fans have gotten the last three or four years is mind boggling to me. And I have to remind myself that I'm an old head, right? A lot of you guys out there, like oh, I've been following Virginia. I'm 25, 26, 27 years old. No offense for me. Um, <laughs> I'm much older. Like, I was like, he's not that young. Dang. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but I mean, a lot of these people, Virginia basketball has never been bad in their, you know, yeah, most I've of seen some life. bad uh, UVA basketball. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally camped out to watch Pete Gillen teams. Um, like, I, I get to tell you if Virginia basketball is bad or if a player is bad. Uh, no offense, respect the elders. And uh, Kihei's is he elite? No, but I think he's a straw that can stir the drink when Virginia has the right roster assembled. And I think that's the issue, not Kihei. Um, and I think next year they have a chance, even you know, with the four guys coming in. And who knows what they add on the, you know, if they add anyone else, you know, obviously they've got some grad transfers taking visits and who knows, but I think it could be better next year than it's been since probably the 2020 season. Um, so, you know, I'm, I just hope people at some point, all these haters just know, you know, the receipts are out there. The receipts you said, was I, can the I receipts. give you my theory real quick on why right. I think people can I, don't like before it. wait, hold on before you do that. I just want to yeah. put a disclaimer out there. Listen, <laughs> if you have an opinion about this, we're not calling all of you haters. There are some of y'all out there who just need to have a, have a Coke and a smile and sit down. Okay. But there are some people who are, who are, I think frustrated because they attach things that they shouldn't attach. Right. They think things that aren't true. Um, they're just misguided. Right. All right. That's a heap of people. I also think that there are some folks out there who who are not necessarily like they don't necessarily need us to like browbeat them. Right. But I do think that like some of them need to kind of wake up a little bit like it's not necessarily that UVA is like this kid has been so integral in UVA's like success or whatever. Like that's a that's a fact and there's no one getting around it. But the bigger picture and point here is that like. If you can't see the thing as being nuanced if you can't see that there's a little bit more to it than just like uh he he can't be the he can't be the root for every of all evil right he can't be the reason that you know like it's not like you're going to sub him out and uva is all of a sudden gonna be great or just like you couldn't sub jay huff in and all of a sudden uva would be great you know there were holes in his game too doesn't mean he's not a pro doesn't mean he's not going to earn a living playing ball it just means that for that team at that time you know that's the way it works but so anyway I'll, i just want to make sure that we're not we're not we're not hitting people with too broad a brush, but I also think that some of y'all really are a little bit out, out there and you need to calm down. Right, if you Ferber, thought I was talking about you, I probably was. <laughs> Ferber, go ahead and, uh, and, and enlighten us. Yeah. So I, I'll keep it short, but I think a lot of it is aesthetics. Um, Kihei does not look like an ACC basketball player. Um, and I think, I mean, like we don't need to reference the now infamous tweet from when they played at NC state his freshman year. Um, but I think that's a big part of it is like people look at him and they're like, what is this? Um, and obvious, I think if you took his stats and applied them to a different player, like it wouldn't be like if you applied them to London Perantis or something. Um, 
I think like when he makes a mistake or does something bad because of his size and the position it puts him in, it looks worse than it would if it was a bigger player. Um, and I do think to add to that, there is something to the fact that he is so small and it puts him in like a tough spot sometimes. Like he can get posted up, uh, you know, it's, if you look at, I actually looked this up before the podcast cause I want to, in case we brought it up, um, his percentage on layups is actually like pretty bad. It's, he's like a 50% layup shooter. Um, and that's because, and I think like people get tired of seeing stuff like that, like, because, and he can't help it. I mean, like that's, that's how big he is. And, and sometimes his size and athleticism is a, is an advantage for him. Um, and I think Dave, I think you really hit it on the head. Like what I was trying to say before, like, I think that Kihei can be really good if the roster around him is in a place that, like, lets him play to his strengths. I just don't think that this UVA team or this past UVA team was set up that way. And um, quite frankly, even though that team didn't go anywhere in the tournament, that 2021 team was much better than this team, even with Sam Hauser and all these other people. Um, I mean, they were a four seed. So I, I think when you have a team of guys that can shoot around you, then, then that's not a problem. But I think people thinking like, oh, they're going to go back to that this year because they're adding freshmen who, as we know, don't automatically play. Um, and we don't automatically know that they're going to be amazing shooters because sometimes that does take a little bit of time. I think his fit on this team is what I question really more than him. So, but I think a lot of people just see him and they're just t- like a part of it's fatigue, but I think people are just tired of like, um, his brand of basketball if that makes sense like even his shot is ugly so like i think people like that kind of stuff matters to people and i don't think it should um but i think like that sort of stuff like you know but that's i think that's why he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt that jay huff gets who is more of like an aesthetically pleasing player on the offensive end like big guy that can shoot and move and stuff like that and i think people favor those types of players i do it too um sometimes like over less aesthetically pleasing players. Um, and, and that applies to other positions as well. Like you, you probably won't have trouble if you listen to this podcast telling me which of the two UVA big men I'd rather watch play. Um, so. Um, all right. I don't want to completely leave this conversation, but I feel like I'm being punked because Dave just sent a link in the, in the text thread to a $40 million bequest, uh, that came in from an anonymous former student athlete. Um, that apparently UVA has... It was Kihei. Has, <laughs> that NIL money really came through. It was Damon. Um, he, he disappeared for a minute. He had to go drop he disappeared. He disappeared, wrote a $40 million check. And was like, I, I had to go sign it. the check. I'm um, sorry. But, uh, all right, guys. I Okay. What? This doesn't I'm reading make, through this now, so is this going to like to football? No, well, hold on. So basically what it says at the end of the, at the, end of the release is that... Um, with phase one of the athletic master plan complete, including construction of two natural grass football practice fields, funding for phase two, the football operations center is almost completed. So like this, uh, this, this number, this, this, this gift does not put them in a place where the operations center, whatever, but they got $40 million and announced it seemingly at nine something on a Tuesday night. I was just asking if y'all had missed it. Like I saw I mean, other people no, retweeting it. So. I, I, I haven't, but I haven't seen it at all from any of the various UVA sources. I almost wonder if this thing hit the website before it was supposed to. But what, what a weird role. Very UVA, by the way, to just this do is, that. This is the most <laughs> yeah. UVA thing ever, right? Part of the university's all right, five million dollar honor the future camp capital campaign. Uh, five hundred million. The, 
Well, no, it's five billion. <laughs> sorry, the Virginia Athletics Foundation honor the future goal is five hundred million, and this commitment brings the VAF campaign total to four hundred forty-three, which um, is different than the master plan, which also. Uh, but what's interesting Herbert is that this, had this discussion say, off air. But like, if you donate, so I wanted to donate some money to Virginia this year, a little more than I normally do, right? Um, forty million. No, no, it wasn't forty million. <laughs> it was. No, that's what he normally does. Forty dollars. Forty dollars. Yeah. Um, no. Um, so I reached out to my VAF rep and was like, "Hey, uh, you know, look, I'm not really don't really care about priority points, but if I'm going to donate, I want to get some." Um, so I'm like, "So does my master plan? Like, if I do have to master plan, have to VA, you know, just to the general athlete, you know, athletics fund or whatever, um, they all count to my priority points, right?" Or there she was like, "No," and I was like, "What about towards my, you know, because if you hit a certain level of donation, you can qualify for different parking spots. Like, if you donate to the master plan." That doesn't count towards your parking spot. So ah. let's get the absurdity out of the way, people. Okay, yeah. sorry, that was a rant. No, that was that was no. Really that's that's salty. good information for people, and and that's why it's good to call someone and talk to them sometimes. You know, like to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and all that. All right, guys, I, this is blowing my mind. All right, has received the largest single commitment in its history. Benefiting department out of the $40 million came from an honest former student athlete who wanted to make a significant difference in the lives of future athletes UVA. Okay, that's great. Okay, this family has demonstrated a remarkable passion for the university and our athletics program, uh, President Ryan said. We are grateful to have philanthropic leaders among our former student athletes, and we applaud their desire to make the experience even better for future generations with this commitment. All right, that's his whole quote. Uh, then... Carla says this type of giving helps to ensure UVA athletics will remain a leader in college athletics. The commitment on this very special family is inspirational to everyone who loves the University of Virginia. Okay, great. That is all it says. Everything else, you other than the 443 and what, what it brings it up to, there's nothing else in there um, that says anything about what they're going to do with this money. There's nothing in there about like how, how close they are on the Football Operations Center. They're not talking about like what they're going to do with it. This is legitimately the weirdest way to announce that you just got $40 billion I've ever seen. Like, but it's not towards the master plan. That's the kicker. Like it's towards the honor of the future campaign, which is different. Okay. That's great. But they're not taught. But you see what I mean? Like, it's like all that's buried and sort of vague. (laughs) Right. Even the, so they use a, they use a, they use an image, right. That shows obviously multiple fields, right. You've got, Everything from I like how in the release down. it's like it's what you see here, like or whatever. whose main complex you- is seen here. Like okay, cool. It's just oh man, this is the strangest way to do that. Unless there was some press release that went out that I didn't see, and I don't know if anybody else is checking their email like I did. Um, Maybe they'll follow up later or something. I don't know. My only guess is that something um, that some that that this wasn't necessarily supposed to roll out this way. Um, but the fact that this is not a bigger deal. Um, now, didn't Tech just get a big gift the other day? Like, maybe they rushed to get this thing out the door because of that. And I and I am listen. I promise you, this that stuff happens. People that some or, organizations do stuff like that. Um, I'm not saying that, like they randomly got forty billion dollars because Tech got some money. I mean that like the the rush to announce it makes more sense to me. But anyway, um, all right. Well, that's cool. I guess. Um, Congrats to UVA on getting forty million dollars. Is there anybody else who's just like who? Who's the former student athlete? Like, what former student athlete has it like that? You can figure it out pretty easily, I think. 
because we can talk about it. We can talk about it off air. Yeah, but Dirk Dirk says that the student athlete is endowed a scholarship before, so most likely their name is tied to a scholarship. Okay. Well, I'm glad y'all know who it is because I'm I'm drawing blanks, but maybe you know whatever. They All wish right. to remain anonymous. Well, yeah, then they should have probably just... not given them forty million dollars <laughs> because yeah. we're gonna guess who that might be. Um, yeah. All right, Damon. I feel like we we haven't talked to you in like a million years over there. Um, He's watching right. the baseball watch, game. I'm watching the baseball game. Yeah. So Devin Ortiz quick, I, just homered to tie at seven seven. If you're nice. uh, for those yeah. of you scoring at home, this is good enough Touched for you. Um, Damon, but do you have any thoughts on the whole Kihei situation? To wrap up uh no i think i think the point is very valid that i've always thought of kihei as a high-end role player um uh who's who's as good as what uh he's surrounded by and obviously this freshman year being the uh the best example of that and then uh you come back his sophomore year and uh i, I feel like and i think tony has said this in the past as well but he was just asked to do too much for a lot of that second year um, and maybe he's been he's been miscast a little bit this year. And uh, I think with, with the right surrounding cast around him, I think a lot of his shortcomings are less of a problem because he's not being relied on to do as much. And I think was it you, Brad, who brought up the point of maybe, uh, you know, Reese Beekman takes that next leap, Nick takes that next step in his development. And that that kind of if he's more of a if he's more of a lead dog so to speak you're you're not asking Kihei to do as much and maybe he's being asked to do more that like more of a more as less on his plate which is more of what he's comfortable with if that makes sense or what and uh just not being asked to do too much so I think I do think like everyone said and everyone would agree that Kihei has his shortcomings he he has his his flaws but when you're not when you're not asking him to be the 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 headline guy the 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 main guy or stirring the drink and he's just another significant cog in the wheel he's much better cast and so if you can find a way to surround him with guys who can alleviate some of that from him uh they're just going to be a better team number one because obviously you're surrounding him with talented players Number two, because he's not being asked to do quite as much. So, long story short, I agree with everything you guys just said. <laughs> All right, um, we should we should real real quick cover the things that are dangerously close to being uh, to joining uh, Ferber and I in the in the graveyard. Uh, among the picks, I my I'm not feeling very confident now about my uh, my one about the hoops jerseys being tweaked. Um, but anyway, uh, Dave had Isaac McNeely as a starter, so my guess is that one's probably taking a hit. Um, let's see. Ferber yeah, had, that's not looking good. Ferber had Lennon Johnson committing and signing as member of 2023. He also had UVA going back to Omaha, um, which – Well, it's tied 7-7 right now. Well, that's good. Um, and, yeah, yeah just – We'll check back in on that one. Andy. Yeah, seriously. And Damon <laughs> had Geloff not get, without a D breaking the uh, 20 home run mark. Um, there's still plenty of baseball. He's still 14. Yeah, there's still plenty of baseball that he plays. What, what do we think of those? Is the 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 is the one that's likely to to, to happen among those? Most likely or least likely? Most of the of the picks that are that are on the edge. What do we think is most likely to to Malachi? <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think Goloff will get there. It's good to the weather's about to get warmer. Ball's gonna start flying a little better. Yeah. Plus, on their on their long trip to Omaha, I mean, like that's a lot of games. So yeah. it does add, it does add up? I think Damon's right. <laughs> He's <laughs> I love it. I think Damon that's a good place to put spicy. a pin in it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's land the plane. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for uh, giving us a listen. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And uh, if you want to give us a rating and review, we appreciate that. It will help Ferber and myself um, lick our wounds for taking uh, taking an L so quickly after after last week's podcast. Um, it's it's just funny to me that we that we don't even need to grade all of them. Um, already like it's just so ridiculous now if you're somebody out there who has found the podcast has not given us a look at the website yet you can check us out calvescorner.com let's see right now damon's got uh we got the four-star wide receiver kid wiggins uh they've got he's got like what one two three four different spring ball recap stuff um good stuff on the on the whole what kind of defense are they going to run um mystery that our friend mike barber has been you know tracking like a bloodhound for, doggedly i mean just pursuing. he's been all over it man he 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 wanted to be the, the chief guy on that beat and by golly i think he got it um but open practice notes also um gaither and and hollands talked to media the other day as well um and of course yeah you can make an official that kihei clark's coming back i don't know if you guys knew that or not but guess what spoiler alert um <laughs> i want to thank myperfectfranchise.net for their support of this uh, website and of the show you can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you i also want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show and obviously dave ferber and damon for giving graciously their time as always i very much appreciate it so for david spence justin ferber and damon dillman i'm brad franklin publisher of thanks for coming out see you soon